It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com This episode contains language and content of an explicit nature. Listener discretion is advised. Before a song is released, a record is produced, or a chorus is written, the musicians that write them think a lot. They live a lot, and they feel a lot. Before the chorus dives into the stories and experiences that shape these artists and, ultimately, the music we hear. I'm your host, Sophia LaPercaro, and this episode's guest is Helena Delon. Helena Delon is a solo artist based in Montreal, Canada. Over the past four years, she has released multiple EPs and even appeared on JPEG Mafia's All My Heroes Are Cornballs. Her debut album, Someone New, which was released last month, explores the struggle between idealization and reality, femininity, and asking for what we need from friends and lovers alike. I like kind of just reading through all of the lyrics and really just paying attention to all the stories in the album. Um, I felt like there's a sort of like push and pull that was happening throughout the album, largely between things like reality and like real life relationships versus like idealized ones that either haven't happened yet or that you want to happen or in your head. Um, And also like holding ownership of oneself and one's body kind of in contrast of sacrificing for the sake of affection and for a relationship. (laughs) Bingo. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always try and dig as much as I can. And I do love a lot of like warring themes and inner conflict and stuff. I think it's important to address that because obviously being a human being is just a lot of that all the time. Exactly. Yeah. Stuff of life. (laughs) The stuff of life. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that note, going first, I guess, to the opening track, Someone New, as well as Smoking at the Gas Station, I sort of paired these two together because they really focus on that sort of idea of idealization and it's like discontent, but also trying to like, how would I say, grip onto something that doesn't exist yet because it's easy to idealize the future and to be like well when i'm in this situation it's going to be better and it's going to be perfect yeah yeah absolutely you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and maybe smoking at the gas station is a little more turned towards the past actually okay how so there's that idea of like at the end the second part of it where there's like the returning question of like um 
I think the question translate like the lyrics are do uh, how can everything feel so familiar? And I think that that's kind of like the question is like, is this it? <laughs> you know, <laughs> which is like kind of like I think when you come out of young very young adulthood where you're having first times over and over, like repeatedly and everything is so intense and exciting. And then you settle into like a groove in those, like, you know, um, experiences, I guess. And then they start repeating themselves. And then there's something like a bit frightening at some point, I think when it's um, not clear whether like first times are going to keep occurring, you know? Yeah, I remember being at a point in my life where I was just very afraid of, like, repetition because I just felt like it made things feel really stagnant, and I heard that a lot here. Mm hmm Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, like, in Someone New, there was, I think, at the beginning of the song, it's basically saying, like, I want to relive these things, but I want to relive them as if I never lived them the first time. So it's, like, each time they're being experienced for the first time again. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's all a question of perspective, though, because I think it's a bit pessimistic to, you know, but like I'm not, you know, not tr trying to be hard on myself or anything because I think it's also normal. But um, there is a way to like, you know, be at peace with that for sure. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes with time. Yeah. And I think I mean, obviously, like this sort of radical honesty on this album is a really beautiful thing and I don't think that any of the themes like obviously it's an album that's very human and that just shows like yeah I have flaws and I have coping mechanism just like the next person so this is never me like picking it apart from some kind of weird place from judgment it's actually me feeling very connected and understanding because it's like yeah we've all been through versions of this you know mm, thanks for saying that I, yeah. yeah, that's what's so interesting about music, really. Yeah, is like the vessel for communicating and exchanging on that kind of experience that's like, can be really gritty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, especially when you write something so raw, it's, I'm sure it's weird wondering how people are going to perceive it. Like, is it, a, you want people to understand it and to connect with it, you know, be on that same level. Mm hmm yeah, totally. I think that like, for me, I tend to sometimes write with a weird, I think a lot of people must, but like, a weird idea of another, you know, vague other in mind. <laughs> um, and that's when I like, I that's actually never when I write anything good, you know. Um, so I think I just hold on to like the moments where songs feel sincere. And then I like trust that and like, a beyond worrying what how it'll come across it's like well I guess this is at least something you know would you say that you're someone who's very like I guess analytical about yourself and your own emotions for yeah. sure yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah I feel like people like that I'm definitely like that too um that's how would I say this it's definitely easier to write about yourself when you're like that because you have such a profound and intimate knowledge of yourself and how your own brain works that you can just create this great big tapestry out of out of those experiences. It's true. Yeah, it's true. And again, there's nothing wrong with that because you get these beautiful results. So mm. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Yeah. And like, it's so like, it's so fascinating too, to be, I don't know how you would like, can you think of another, you know, so is there something in not opposition, but like to contrast that position of self analytical? I think maybe people who are more aware of people outside of themselves, you know, like some of us were so like in our heads and we know ourselves really well. Um, sometimes it also means that we're, we can tend to project onto other people, but I think there's other people that, again, are really good at being sensitive to the way that other people think and trying to understand that. And so I'm sure those people you'll see writing, like if they're artists, you'll see them writing more outwardly rather than inwardly. But yeah, um, coming back, I guess, to the, like the themes that we were talking about and sort of that push and pull there are definitely a couple songs that, rather than sort of embodying one side or the other of these conflicts, there's some that really kind of have, like, I guess the conflict built into them. One of those for me was mid-practice, because it feels like, even though it's a song that's a lot about, like, daydreaming and idealizing being a relationship, it's also sort of critical of itself. Like, there's that line, it's, on, it's what I find worse than a love that hurts when it's captive, is a love that thrives on being the hunter, and when it's after a trophy for its pride, off I go again. Like, to me, I read that as in, like, once you get the thing you want, you're like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, never mind. for sure, for sure. You know? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it, like, yeah, it recognizes that in others as well as, and I guess it, like, I, you know, having experienced that, I experienced that kind of relationship through the both, like, both positions, and I know how hard it is to be in either really but it's also kind of a unfortunately frequent um situation in like modern day dating I think you know yeah it's so confusing we I mean we idealize even if you think about like social media for example when we put these very like curated versions of our relationships online even not always consciously but it alters your perceptions of what a relationship's going to be so once you actually get it and you're like, oh, this is kind of hard sometimes, it, it can mess with you. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, I think so. And I think we've grown, like, between the generations uh, or, like, the yeah, the generations of our parents and our own, there's, like, the models we grew up with are so kind of, uh, like, passe now that it's interesting to be, to feel a bit like, okay, we're kind of pioneer you know pioneering this new kind of like a you know um partnership style I think in a way and I'm excited to see how what it's going to be like because I'm I'm about I'm about to turn 29 and like none of my friends have kids yet you know which definitely wasn't the case with my parents at their age at that at this age and um not only that but like I don't know many people who have been in committed relationships for that long you know yeah it's I mean, like oh all right yeah. I know I'm starting to have some friends that are starting to get married I'm 24 by the way um but yeah it's not like that common like one of them is like really like Christian and grew up in the south and stuff so like and she's a year younger than me and she has a kid and she's married but then, like, I know other people that are in their mid-30s and are still, like, I'm still figuring stuff out. I think our, our personal timelines have changed a lot for a myriad of reasons. Yeah. 
things that yeah, I totally agree yeah. <laughs> and probably will change so much too like between you know if we kind of do that and like perpetuate that way of thinking like if we do have kids or like the people our age who do have kids will f- be from such different worlds than those people you know those yeah. kids it's gonna be interesting to watch how that all plays out um but yeah well circling back again um Another song that I felt a lot of conflict on was Comfort Edge, because that one, again, it feels like it's representing a relationship that is really secure and really lovely, but then at the same time, there's a challenge being craved there as well. Oh, yeah. Mm. No, absolutely. It's like, I think it's actually like the exact opposite. It was a unsteady relationship with a stability being craved. Mm, okay. Yeah, and I finished writing it after the like messy breakup, so I was kind of like, <laughs> maybe that's kind of one of the tension points as well, you know. And yeah. but I'm I'm very happy that um, that the song is there to witness that like very um, transitive moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's something that you can kind of take with you in the future. It's the, I've learned from this one, and now I know what I need next time. And there's nothing wrong with that, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Have you seen the uh, uh, Esther Perel talk about, um, I think it's like desire and long-term relationships, speaking of, I feel like there's a theme. but um, I have not, actually. I'll have no. to look that up. It's really, it's really good. She's a very good... Um, uh, orator, oratrice, how do you say that in English? Like Speaker? Yeah, she's a good speaker, exactly. And uh, it's like, this This was in her, like, give me comfort, give me edge was exactly words that are, that she says being like, this is the tension between love and desire, love where you possess and desire where you like run after kind of. And it was, re- it's very, I highly recommend it. <laughs> okay, I'm definitely going to look at that. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, I really need to do that. Well, speaking speaking of, I guess, referencing things outside, when I was uh, reading the lyrics to Dog, because now I kind of want to talk about some of the other, like, dynamics and relationships that are touched on in the album. So, one of... Actually, sort of this tangent. Have you ever seen the film The Talented Mr. Ripley? Oh, my God, no, but my friend just recommended it, like, two days ago, and she said yeah. that it's her new favorite movie. Yeah, I watched it twice at the beginning of lockdown. Um, it's phenomenal, and Jude Law, despite not being the best person, is a beautiful man. But Sure anyway. is. But there's a quote from it, because basically his character in the film is kind of like a semi-narcissist, but he's very charismatic, and people just sort of tend to fall in love with him. And his girlfriend at the time says this quote, and again, it really made me think of Dog. So she said, the thing with Dickie, that's his name, it's like the sun shines on you and it's glorious, and then he forgets you and it's very, very cold. When you have his attention, you feel like you're the only person in the world. That's why everybody loves him so much. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Ow. Yeah, no, it doesn't, doesn't, like, I feel like everyone can kind of, 
really we yeah all... have someone come to mind you know <laughs> oh i have a list yeah <laughs> i have such a list in my head yeah. i have a great great tendency of being attracted to like semi-narcissists like they're not like full-on monsters but no but they're charismatic and they're like yeah. so much fun often for sure and also if there's that kind of like i think <sighs> an unfortunate trope is wanting what we can't have too, you know? And then if someone, even by being with you, makes you think that they might, you know, pull out at any moment or something, it's like, oh, it makes you just like a little more intent on keeping the flame there. Yeah. And again, that's sort of the feeling that I got from Dog. It was like this very like interesting extroverted person, but that you're constantly having to be like, I just want your attention and I'll take what I can get. <laughs> Fun fact, actually, okay, is shoot. that um, that song is not about a romantic relationship, though. But uh, it's a friendship with a woman who I love, but who you know I felt this way towards for the longest time. I felt kind of like um, a, a means to an end rather than an end in itself. I felt like I was like a you know a way to access. Uh, something else mm -hmm. so i think that happens in friendship too for sure and this yeah. was um particularly difficult for me because i feel very sensitive to like um competition amongst women and like that feeling of um like if someone's shining more you know kind of feeling threatened by that and uh feeling sadly familiar with that kind of dynamic and uh, yeah, I guess dog really helped me process the, you know, like the feelings of like, I just want to, I just want to nourish my, my, my friendships with women really and like have something healthy. And, but that was definitely like a little, yeah, point of tension for sure. But helped me think through it. Well, that's kind of one of the beauties of songwriting is that it can sometimes let you process stuff because it's just, it's like a way to just dump it all out, but make it sound a little nicer than just word vomit. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and we need that. Which sounds terrible. <laughs> that's what, honestly, that's what most songwriting is. It's just being like, I'm really pissed about this thing or I'm really upset about this thing. Let me just get it out. Oh, it actually sounds good when I do that. So there you go. Here's a song. And it's actually kind of great. It's true. It's yeah. true. And that's why we all relate to it. And that's, again, that's the beautiful part of it. Mm -hmm. It's Yeah, absolutely. I think it's funny. I was reading um, a New Yorker article um, about Adrian Lenker following her new record. I know, right? Yeah, Adrian Lenker. End of oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very intimidating. <laughs> She's not. I've met her once, and she's, like, the shyest person I've ever met in my mm, life. But, I mean, such a monument of a songwriter. You oh, know, yeah. Like, so impressive and inspiring. But she's, like, the interview ends on a quote by, like, by her saying that she, she likes to think of her songs as ways to remember things. Mm. And that made me think, like, in that case is that why her songs seem kind of void of um grudges you know like yeah. do you know what i mean like if a song is a way to like make a feeling survive through time do you 
try to like favor warm feelings or you know feelings that are a bit more uh maybe potent than like me <laughs> i'm yeah. feeling bad about the like or not like bad is rich but i mean like mad at someone can be kind of flat maybe I'm, i was interested in that this morning just wondering i mean i i don't think there's anything wrong with writing a song where you're mad or upset because i think that's just as cathartic and beautiful but I definitely see what you're saying about Adrian. I mean, I I just mainly go back to Capacity just because I think that's my favorite album that they've put out. And even, like, thinking about some of the characters on those songs, even if they've hurt her, even if they have, like, a rough past, they're always sung with so much love, even amidst all the flaws. So, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, totally. And I think there's something really um, beautiful about that. And, like, I'm a big fan of, I don't know if you know Mary Oliver? the poet i don't i think you might love her it's really beautiful poetry and it's also like full of so many really heavy really tragic feelings and like always ends on this like really beautiful note of love it's really impressive (laughs) it's like definitely something i really appreciate as a reader and as a music listener you know it's such a gift it's like weirdly there's something very wonderful about being like torn apart emotionally i don't know why but it's it's oddly a privilege to feel that i guess just to feel in general totally yeah well i want to go back to something that you spoke about before i mean you talked about like your your friendships and your connections with women and i feel like womanhood in and of itself someone your relationship or the relationship with one's own womanhood is another thing that's really big on this album yeah absolutely like one of the things that I picked up on was it almost seems like in a lot of our relationships especially with men whether they be romantic or or platonic it can sometimes feel like we're the ones who have to take on the bigger emotional burden and we sort of take on a lot of the work For example, like, the final song on the album sort of has that feeling. It's like you're basically putting all the work on me and expecting me to do do everything. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't, I I don't, yeah, I feel like that's a pretty, um, like, you know, common feeling amongst women, at least, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I was definitely interrogating women like my relationship to my femininity and felt like I was like kind of at a crisis point with it just because I was kind of learning about how maybe I'd been socialized into different patterns and you know was at a point in my life where I was like felt like I wanted to reject some of them but then aware that it's just not that simple and um yeah I found it super inspiring yeah Still do. It's really fascinating. (laughs) Well, old habits die hard. You literally reference that exact thing on Truth Nugget. You repeat dies hard again and again and again. again. Um, Oh, boy. I I found something really interesting about Truth Nugget as well. Because, like, on one hand, like, I do feel like, as the song suggests, we women have to guard ourselves a lot more and sort of, you know, be more careful before we trust people with our, our thoughts and opinions. Um, whereas men could be a little more free because there's not as much of a danger on them. But then I also thought of something where it's sort of the reverse in that 
we get to be the emotional ones, whereas they don't. So it's sort of like, even in Truth Nugget, yeah, there's a duality. Mm-hmm. I like I, I I love that you're pointing this out because I that's like what I keep thinking about uh, like in with regards to that song is you know we do have the privilege of at least express or like being encouraged to express our emotions in a way that men definitely aren't but I think there's something to be said about like expressing one's opinion and one's um, thoughts that are not emotional necessarily you know that I you know it's so frequent to be in conversation with people from both genders and have men well like I try obviously to I think everyone around me luckily tries to be careful about this but like just you know um the way that men assert their own opinions is really different than the way that women do and like sometimes you know, you feel like, and this, you know, this is outside of the context of the song specifically, but sometimes as a woman, you feel like you're being talked at because of a gendered dynamic, you know, and, and that's like very um, frustrating when it happens, obviously. It's totally random, but still kind of applies to this. When you compare the way that like men and women write, even like emails to people, women will always start with things like sorry to bother you or if you have time to do this or if you consider whatever whereas men are like here's the thing that i want you to look yeah, at." yeah yeah yeah. this is how it's gonna go <laughs> exactly yeah. it's that same sort of thing it's like we feel like we need to sort of like not intrude and not sort of step on people's toes whereas men it's just kind of like here this is what i think no absolutely definitely socialize and being more careful about where others are at you know mm-hmm yeah yeah for better and for worse (laughs) it's kind of a beautiful thing though yeah Uh, yeah and it's nice to be in you know a time and place where these things are so on the table at least for me I feel really lucky but like oh everyone I don't get you know like shamed for (laughs) this kind of thing at all or this kind of comment and like the conversations like these are possible and people are interested I think absolutely I don't know how you feel oh I feel the same I mean I'm very very lucky that I have people in my life both like in terms of my friends even in the professional world that are willing to have these open conversations and yeah it's it's special well getting towards I guess the last couple again still touching on womanhood pale is sort of the most like about yourself not as much in relation to other people you know about sort of like one's relationship with one's own body and accepting it yeah yeah and also that tension between i think i think pale is more like interested in uh maybe the way that uh someone new is too but like in like a succession of like quick relationships that can happen in this day and age and kind of like feeling um typecasted by uh like elements that escape my control like um you know what I look like and my gender and you know will I end up mothering the other and um yeah that kind of it's definitely a more like feisty like a 
fr- frustrated <laughs> song. It's like, okay, enough now. <laughs> yeah. It's like, this is where I put my foot down. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, the final song I want to touch on, because it feels like a sort of semi-outlier on the album, and I'm trying to find its place, and that is Lil's, because it seems to be more about a friendship. Um, it does reference the story of the Boulanger sisters, who were, for, for context for the listener, two of them were, they were both artists, but one of them passed away quite young, and so the other sister spent her life basically carrying on her sister's legacy. Um, but considering that reference and just the song in general, what is, what is Lil's about and what's its sort of place in the album? Mm-hmm. I think it kind of, you know, ties into what we were talking about with like questioning our, my womanhood and, um, you know, with dog kind of like feeling this precarity of some female friendships, um, and wanting to assert a devotion to them with Lil's, you know, being like, in spite of patriarchy making us feel competitive one towards the other, I really want to like make a vow to my girlfriends, you know, that like we're there to like whatever goes down, you know? Yeah, it's sort of the antidote to dog. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And to, you know, and to, in a lot of ways, like all these questions, I think in, in female friendships lie so many antidotes, you know? Yeah. Well, it's antidotes, again, conflict dichotomies. It's just what, to, to sum up, this whole album sort of touches on. It's being human is complicated and we're always going to contradict ourselves. And why not examine that and figure out why? Yeah, totally. Someone New is out now and can be heard wherever you normally get your music. This podcast is hosted, produced, and edited by myself, Sophia Lopercaro, and the artwork is by Meg Welford. <laughs>